before we start episode 198 of the HHH Racing Podcast, I am not your host tonight, Howard Kravitz. I do want to promote very quickly our shows coming up for the Breeders' Cup in the next few days because we have a tremendous amount of coverage for the Breeders' Cup. The HHH Racing Podcast is a place that you do not want to miss. As you can see right now, we're going to bring up here on the screen the shows coming up right now. Here they are. On Monday, our next show will be Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern. It will be a our post-position draw analysis. The post-positions are going to be drawn at, I believe, 2.30 Eastern Standard Time on Monday and Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to go an hour early so that we don't bump into Monday football. We'll be talking about who got the best and worst of the post-position draws with our entire expert panel will be with us. Then, also on Monday at some point, I'll be releasing the taped show that I'm doing about the BCBC contest with last year's champ, Matt Miller, and an excellent player and also champion in his own right, Marshall Graham. If you are interested in the BCBC contest, whether you're playing in it or live money contests in general, that is a show you're not going to miss. That is a taped show, but I will release that Monday. And of course, Tuesday, will be our Breeders' Cup Friday show uh, with Justin Christine of In The Money Media and Tripnote Pros at our standard time, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, Chad Shexnader of the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast will be here for the huge championship day of Breeders' Cup Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, these are podcasts you absolutely do not want to miss. But without further ado, let me toss it to tonight's host of the HHH Racing Podcast, excuse me, from the East Coast and back from his wonderful trip at Disney World. Let's bring in Pete Visco. Pete, how you doing tonight? Hello, Howard. And I assume goodbye, Howard. Yes, sir. Uh, Yeah, take it away, sir. It is all yours. Have a great show. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, Howard. As he said, welcome to episode 198 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Again, as Howard mentioned, I'm your host, Pete Visco, for tonight. We're going to take a little quick break from Breeders' Cup talk, and we're going to dive into, you know, everybody needs to build a bankroll for upcoming Breeders' Cup week. So we're going to dive into the late pick five at Santa Anita on Saturday. It's actually a really good card, some 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 good graded stakes races, a bunch of stakes races, some actually really cool horses are running that that weren't good enough to maybe make the Breeders' Cup, but there's some good horses. But before we get to that, let's do a couple quick administrative items. If you're watching on YouTube, especially this week, because I feel like we're going to get a lot of viewers for our Breeders' Cup shows. But even tonight, if you're watching on YouTube, please be sure to hit that subscribe button in the bottom right. That just lets you know and lets YouTube know that, hey, I want to be a part of this podcast going forward. Also, smash that like button, hit that thumbs up on all of our pods. That lets YouTube know that you like us and we're, we're a really good podcast for you to listen to. And finally, hit that notification bell. As Howard mentioned, we're going to be doing, especially for the Breeders' Cup, we're going to be off our normal schedule. So, so if you don't want to miss any of them, hit that notification bell. Then you'll be notified when our new pods come up. And that's good for Breeders' Cup week and going forward. Next, we're also going to, if you are an audio listener, instead of the visuals on YouTube, 
Please subscribe, rate, review, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, whatever service you use. Please be sure to do that. That also, we, we appreciate the audio listeners as much as the video watchers. Also, on Howard's was up there, our Twitter handle, at H Kravitz, H-K-R-A-V-E-T-S. That's Howard's personal Twitter, but it's also the Twitter handle for the HHH Racing Podcast. So be sure to give us a follow on there as well. We appreciate that, and we like to interact with our, with our viewers and guests as much as possible. Uh, next, the power picks. So please, especially this week, and, and Howard mentions this on all our shows, we're only $15.99 a month, and you receive our power picks every Saturday. And for the Breeders' Cup specifically, we're going to be doing sort of a blowout edition. It's going to cover all the Breeders' Cup races on Friday and Saturday, in-depth analysis of every horse, bets for every race, grids for all the horizontals. Myself, Howard, Paul, and Kyle are all going to participate. So below the video player, there's a link to Patreon. You can click there to subscribe. Or if you want to go to our website and just take a look at past power picks, our website is hhhracingpodcast.com. If you go there, there's a link again to subscribe through Patreon, but there's also an example of past of past power picks. So you can get a feel for the type of information we provide, the type of the type of winners that we've been giving out lately, which has been great. So please do that. You know, we this is again, if you do it now, you'll have it for next week's Breeders' Cup blowout edition. You don't want to miss that for sure. So without further ado, further ado, we don't want to take up too much time. I'm going to bring on my guests, my my guests, I should say, my co-hosts not guests. They're not that special. So I'm going to bring on my co-host to talk through this, this late pick five at Santa Anita. First, from the Saratoga special, Paul, no sleep till the Breeders' Cup Halloran. <laughs> and the Arlington Park special, Kyle, all in on Cave Rock Roscoe. How's it going, fellas? Good. I like that type. I like that intro. That's a good one. I like that. You, you like that one a little yeah. bit better? Yeah. Until Cave Rock goes down, then we delete yeah. it from all. Well, I like him. So, of course, that's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> How's it going, Paul? What's happening? Uh, it's going great. I uh, I was remiss in not watching Howard's show with Davey Lane live, but I will be watching it after this show and taking assiduous notes on the Euros. Assiduous. Uh, yeah, uh, I find with the Euros, the, the more people from over there you can listen to, the better, because it's, at some point you're going to hear the same thing from a few different people. And, you know, let's face it, we don't follow we don't follow those horses as closely as we follow our horses. And they're a major part of this event. So, uh, no, I think be... that's good, too. And I think, too, with the for, for our listeners and viewers, I think it's it's important because a lot of people are intimidated and we don't want to get in off on a tangent, but a lot of people are intimidated by the the foreign horses sometimes just because their PPs aren't as easily readable. And maybe the, some of their races aren't as they're accessible, but it's a pain in the neck. You got to dig and you have to find them. So I think listening to other people who know these horses the same way we know our U.S. horses, like Paul said, it's all the better. I mean, anytime you can do that, I, I think it's great. So let's, so yeah, please, everybody watch that one. It's on, it's been posted. It was earlier this afternoon. It got some great viewership. It's uh, Howard and Davey Lane going through all the Euro Breeders' Cup horses. So definitely check this out. 
But for now, let's jump in. Let's get to the late pick six. Late pick six. Actually, the pick six is a good idea, too, at San Anita from what I read on Saturday. But we're only going to hit the late pick five. So we're going to start with race six. And actually, I don't know Howard. Are, I know Howard's behind the scenes, but he is going to usually Howard does this, but I'm going to do it today. So let's go. Race number six, fellas. We are going to talk about the Golden State Juvenile Philly Stakes. It's a purse of 175000 for California breads, seven furlongs on the dirt. The favorite, as you all can see there, is the number two. Chismosa. I assume I'm saying that correctly at nine to five. And we have one scratch, Easy Ferris, the, the five horses scratch. So it's a, it's a pretty short field. So I'm going to go to, we're going to start this one. I guess, Kyle, why don't you start us off? We're going to, we're going to go away. So I see you and Paul, I went with the favorite on top, but you and Paul did not. So Kyle, what did you like about the seven cast member? And let's bring up the PPs and take a look. And this one was, for me, this was all replays in this one. Second time out for Tim Yachtin. Um, Got John Velasquez up the first time up in his maiden. I usually am not one for horses right off breaking their maiden and doing something they haven't done before, which is he is stretching out a little bit, still going one turn, but going full length of the shoot at seven furlongs. This horse was just four wide the entire race through the turn and just made that big sweeping move and kept down with it really impressively, at least through the video. Not the highest of figures, but that big sweeping mood, especially as his first uh, race as a two-year-old, that's what really turned me on to this horse, and I'm going to take a shot. I figured the two would be the favor, which I won't take away your Thunder Pete, but just improving buyers the entire way through, which I know is a big uh, tick in the right box for you. But like I said, I love that type of move, and going four wide, the Santa Anita track is fast, as we all know, but um, I'm going to take, you know, take a little bit of a price with uh, – what who Bafford gave all his horses to Mr. Tim Yachtin. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. Cause I, I, everybody can now see my, if you wanted to read them, if you were that bored, you can see my notes. But when I watched that replay, the same, it was the, yeah, that wide sweeping move. And I thought it was a really confident ride by Velasquez. Mm-hmm. Like he rode this horse, like it was the best horse and it was a five to one shot. So it wasn't like a layup. So I, mm-hmm. I definitely like that as well. And the other thing we talk about, we sometimes get, I think this is probably a good lesson all the time. We look at the buyer's, and you see he got a 61, or she got a 61, I should say. And you say, ah, that's a little bit low, but not for, yep, hold on. Cheers for the early mistake. So, but but if you look at the favorite, who's nine to five, her opening buyer was only a 55, but she's surpassed that since. But we forget that, hey, in their first race, you compare it against first races, not against maybe where the horse is now. I think sometimes we, we maybe make that mistake. Actually, why don't you go ahead, Kyle, since you have the two in second, I'll let you talk about the favorite quick, just because, I mean, on paper, this horse hasn't done anything wrong. So what were your thoughts? And, and I assume you still think of this one as a definitely a potential winner since you have it in second. Oh, definitely. And like, I mean, this horse has been, like you said, has done absolutely nothing wrong in his first three starts or her first three starts. I did it too. drink again, <laughs> um, but back to back listed state bread stakes. I mean, winning pretty easily. I mean, down the stretch of last time at Del Mar, it got up to six and was just, she didn't really look like she was pressing too hard going down to the final towards the wire kind of geared down per se work tab is still really good on this horse. This horse is definitely up there for sure. And this race looks like it's going to shape up for another hot pace as well. So 
that's definitely another reason like this horse is you look with all those red numbers in the first yeah. three starts. I mean, you, it looks to set up exactly like that race again. I'm not sure that's if you a good saw call. that the same way. Yeah, no, I did. And I, I actually like, as you can see on the screen by the, by the bulls, this horse has actually beat mm -hmm. a bunch of the others in this race already in her, in her short career. The one thing is people could see again in my notes, the one thing that threw me as maybe not a lock De Leon, one for 37 with domestic shippers to, to Santa Anita and 0 for 12 with two-year-olds at Santa Anita. So that's why I was looking at it going, maybe this one isn't a complete lock, plus the jockey's one for 17. So if you're looking to beat it, beat this horse, maybe those are some reasons. But let's go to another one. Paul, you have the six, sell the dream on top. What were your thoughts on this one? This one's coming off the turf onto dirt and hasn't been on the dirt in, you know, in a few races. Yeah, um, I think the seven furlongs is a bit of a factor here. I think it's a big unknown for everyone except the six. Uh, I'm sure the others will probably be able to get it, but maybe, you know, probably. Um, I don't mind the turf to dirt because it's a Munnings, so obviously the dirt is not going to be a problem being a Munnings. I, my, one of my favorite angles in handicapping is a seven furlong race playing a cutback. And yep. in this case, it's a cutback from a mile, and it's on it's go, it turf to dirt. As I said, doesn't bother me. Berrios uh, is is riding pretty well. Uh, he's fifteen percent, but you can see he's got a bunch of seconds as well. Yeah. Uh, so, and and I, you know, again, uh, I looked at the two, and as you said, Pete has done nothing wrong. But I don't know. Uh, oh, and and one other factor on the six, the fact that the two stakes races he is she is coming out of are or open uh, company, not state breads. So th this is obviously a California bred race. I think that's an advantage. We see it, we see it a lot with New York bred races. We'll have New York, another New York showcase day on yeah. Sunday. So, that's a good uh, call. I landed on the six. And I, and if you look actually Comanche country who, she lost to in both of those races is actually going in, in the breeders cup. So yeah. that's, and actually that's, I think as of right now, that might be the horse that I either like and as one of my top two choices. So I know that that's a quality horse. So it was losing to someone of, of pretty high quality and, and not a horse that's just going to the breeders cup with no chance to win. So I think that's a good call there. You, so you mentioned the two, Paul, any other, any other thoughts on the two, or you just sort of, you just like the six better at this point, or did you see any sort of chinks in the armor of the, of the two? No, I, I, the, the stats that you mentioned are certainly a factor. Um, you, you know, the trainer is an under 10% trainer, you know, people love to bet the ones. I, I think if this horse is going to be uh, a decent favorite, uh, I'm all in and trying to beat her. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally do you want to do you want to quickly hit on the one? You have a long shot in third, the one Charlie, I assume at 15 to 1. Any any thoughts here? This one has actually run against a few others in the race as well and and lost but has been relatively competitive and you're getting a price. What were your thoughts on the Yeah, that was my thinking. You know, it'll be a price cuz uh she's a maiden in in a stakes race. Uh she's run three pretty good races. Uh the the thing I liked also Pete is she's taken money every time. Yep. Uh, so that, that means you could go broke betting her on the win end. <laughs> but, uh, if, if she can, uh, if you were playing someone to get in the exact or a trifecta at 10 or 15 to one with those kind of running lines, uh, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. And in a small field, you can, you can even go cold if you like the top two choices that you have. The only other one I'll talk about quickly is the four big celebration. It's the one that I have 
that I have in second. This one lost in its opening race, in its debut, as you can see here, lost to cast member and Charlie. But it's all, but was knocked around out of the gate. If you Again, if you want to watch a replay, we're not going to necessarily do a replay on this one, but it was knocked around out of the gate, dropped way back, and was still running late, which is impressive for a, a first-time starter, just because usually if they get banged around, maybe they just give it up because you know they're not used to it at that point. And then came out and just dominated a field in their second race. Now, it wasn't the best of fields, but still, to win by seven, going away, you know, bet down like that, and since then has worked, you know, has that beautiful 47 and two four furlong work on the 24th. So I think this one, maybe if you look at that first rate, maybe you get a little bit more of a price because that first race wasn't that great. But that second one, maybe this one just sort of found their form. So I'm on those. I think it's a pretty wide open race unless you just love the two and think the two can't lose. But you know, I think there's some reasons to go against it. And anytime you can go against a favorite, that can be helpful. So let's jump to race seven. This is grade, the grade two Twilight Derby. We have a purse of 200,000 for three-year-olds, and it's a mile and an eighth on the turf. And we have a field of nine, and the favorite is the number nine all the way on the outside, War at Sea. But we also have it's 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 pretty evenly spread, which I like. So this looks like a pretty good betting race. So let's go to Paul. Why don't you start us off on this one? You have the eight on top. Speaking Scout with from Graham Motion. What are your thoughts on this one? And I will bring up the PPs for us. Yeah, the safest bet of the day, Pete, was me picking the Graham Motion horse who was coming from the Midwest and the East Coast <laughs> and the Midwest uh, going on going turf, out west, heading west. Yeah. The, <laughs> Um, the the Horace, uh, the Horace Greeley uh, uh, theory. Um, no, but really, I think, you know, you look at this horse, um, really a good race at Kentucky Downs, mile and five sixteenths and was right there and, you know, understandably ran out of gas. That's that's quite a quite a long way. And we'll let the math teacher tell us later on how many eighths five sixteenths is. It's probably like <laughs> it's probably two and a half eighths, but I'm not sure. Uh, and then, you know, comes back and uh, this was the horse that um, decided the contest hile that you guys were in. That's correct. This yeah. This was the horse that decided oh, was it, it mm-hmm. because the guy who finished second had this horse and got moved up because the winner was DQ'd. He, had, he was all in on this horse to win, right? Correct. Yep. That's exactly right. What? Well, yeah, and Howard and I were both against him that day, but that that's about right. That played and, it, and, and he won and he won by five. What a shocker Again, that you were against. Yeah, first part for the course, especially on <laughs> that I, day. Yeah, I think he's in pretty good form, uh, uh, Pete. And and again, I'm I'm always looking on turf. I'm looking for horses heading in that direction. That's why I have the three second. You know, the three uh, was an East Coast horse, and since he got to the West Coast, second, fourth. And first in three races. So, um, and the eight picks up Hernandez, who's one of the better jockeys out there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like the eight quite a bit here. Yeah, no, I could see that. The only thing I saw, uh, I'll go back to the eight really quickly. The one thing I noted, and, and again, I, I think I sometimes notice this maybe more than others. So, some people don't care as much. The only two wins, or the, I guess, two three wins that this horse has have all been with Lasix. And in this race, there are no Lasix. Now, again, that may mean absolutely nothing because this horse has run 
I mean, eh, it's run a couple of good races. It's run good races without Lasix, but it just so happens that the wins were all with Lasix. So whether you care about that or not, just something I wanted to point out to make sure in case people miss that. But um, I do think that horse looks pretty good. So I think in an even race like this, and I, you should be able to hold on to that price as well, which, which would be decent in a pick five. So you were talking, you said in second, you have the three perfect flight at six to one. What are your thoughts here? And Peter Miller has this horse now in the last three. Right. And, and, you know, Miller has this horse uh, in this race and uh, you know, uh, Vasquez is pretty good. You know, again, the horse is jumping up into his stakes, but that was a really good effort at Del Mar in the grade three La Jolla. Did lose to a horse that's in this race, the five, Cabo Spirit, who, who uh, he's going to have to deal with again. But uh, I, I think the three, uh, I believe he has the best last race figure. Pretty sure the 92 is the best last race figure. So, again, a horse that's in form, even though he's uh, – jumping up in class i think he's proven he can run at this level and uh, i i used him second yeah i thought it was a weird choice when i when i looked at the pps initially i thought that that first race when when miller picked him picked him up and threw him in a grade three turf off of a maiden win that was an odd choice and he really acquitted himself quite well and then they go right back to the dirt so i as people could see my notes, I said odd campaign since moving to Miller. I just thought that was a couple weird choices, but it's it's worked. This horse actually can run pretty well, apparently, on both surfaces, which is always pretty impressive. So I, I, I think this one, this was one where I was down to a bunch of different horses, and I want to say I went pretty a little bit deep in this one anyway. So I really like that one as well. Kyle, let's jump to you real quick. You have the nine who's the five to two favorite war at sea for Ronald Ellis. What are your thoughts on this one? Why'd you put this one on top? I, I mean, I just think this horse is in great form and I think this horse gets the trip. I mean, I love that he's drawn outside. Uh, his lat, granted his figs are not as good as Paul said, like the three or something like that. But I mean, this horse has tactical speed. He gets Mike Smith back aboard the last four times. He's coming back. Or no, this is mile and eighth, right? Yeah, mile yeah. and eighth. Stays at the mile and eighth distance, which I think is the best distance for this horse. You can run back to his mile time, uh, mile races. He's missing by head. He's missing. He won by three quarters, but he was only he was ahead coming down the stretch. Yep. I I just think this horse sits the trip, gets a really good run at it on the outside, and hopefully gets in the clear. Yeah, my I, I had the sort of the same thought was I thought this one was was versatile enough to maybe just sit right off the speed and then pounce from there. And the one thing you didn't mention was the, that 46 and four, four furlong work, which is at least you show this horse is showing that they're coming in fit. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty strong work, but I mean, you know, this horse is fit coming in. So you have to be at least impressed with that and figure it's going to, he's going to run his race. And coming in with the form that he has that 46 and four work only gets a little better, at least in my eyes. Yeah, it makes sense. And then, so you have in second, we'll jump to the five Cabo spirit, who, again, this horse has run against some of the horses we've already spoken about. And coming in for for George Papa, I like to call him, so I don't have to mispronounce the name too much. What do you What are your thoughts on this one? I have I have this one in third as well, but was teetering on either second or first with this one. Yeah, George Papadromo, man. Yes, that's a yes, great, yes. it's a great name. Uh, but this is just a thing where I love this horse, and I was also teetering on what I wanted to do in this race. 
I just think the nine's going to sit the trip and get a little bit of a jump on the five. That that was my full. That was it. Okay. That, that was my full thing. But again, his figs are a little a little lighter, not by much than the nine. They're pretty right on par, actually. But again, I just think the nine sits the trip that sits the better trip, close to the pace. That's where there's not too much speed in this race. There are a few that when we go to the top, there will be a few going for the lead. Like I said, I think the nine just sits a little bit closer and pounces uh, quicker than the five does. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then the one thing with the five, too, I thought in that last race, I had the nose one was swung way wide on the turn. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty impressive close anyway and, and sort of ran on at the end, but has also done well against some of the other horses in this race, which and they were right there, War at Sea. So you're getting a little bit better price for a horse who has a great late kick. And we'll see again if if the if War at Sea gets the jump then maybe you're a little bit of trouble. But if if it heats up and this one, you know, can come from the back and get some pace to run into, I feel like this is a good one to to sort of roll by. Now you have the, and you also have perfect flight. So you, did you want to mention anything else on perfect flight or you just sort of agree with what, what Paul no, was saying? No, I agree with both of you, actually. I thought the campaign coming from, I mean, he's run as easily as best figures after, after coming over with Miller. So that's definitely something to note. But I also took to you as well. I mean, throwing him right in the grade three and the turf running really well next to Cabo spirit at 13 to one, but then he goes right back to the dirt and runs his two best figs. So yeah. And an optional claimer too. So it, it was very weird to me, but I'll, you know, he knows what he's doing, I guess. No, I mean, he definitely knows more than me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll jump real quick. The one horse that we haven't mentioned, do I have on top? And this is one that I think we touted on the show, maybe two back and it ran, it had a really tough trip and ran, still ran well to only lose by a nose and then came back and won. And I think this is a horse me and Howard may have liked. So I like this one coming back again. I think it's, a, it's obviously a bit of a step up. It's never been in a graded race. It's been running an optional claimers, but I just like that the form that this one is in since he's moved to the, the Miller barn. Again, we have another, another Miller horse here feel like with the closing kick, I feel like the, the distance, it has run at a mile and an eighth. So I think the distance should be this horse's friend. And again, it just seems to be in pretty top form, has paired up, not buyer tops, but has paired up nice 86s. So maybe there's a little bit of a, a move forward there. Five for five in the money at Santa Anita, only with the one win. But I, I still think that this horse is hopefully coming into his own a bit. And if we do get that pace, and real quick, let's talk about the pace because we'll we'll see if we do we do have some closers so we'll have to see so paul i don't know if you have i don't know if you looked at the two gojo one who's never run on the turf but if you look at the time form u.s pace a 121 which is much higher than every other horse in this field so you think this one's going to set the pace and we just hope that it could it can go out and run and then fades first time on the turf what are your thoughts on this one this was interesting to me well my my thoughts are if you look at the two miller horses in their running styles you can bet that the three is not going to let the two go alone yep you know that that's what I think. I think that's, that's a good Miller, point. Yeah, I no, think that's, that's a what Miller point. is Miller is thinking here. So uh, that might not be good for the three either. By the way, but I, I would not expect this two to be loping out there on the lead. I think uh, Miller figures he sends the three, probably can go by the two at some point, and then he's got to hold off his other horse. You know, now obviously the the nine will have something to say about that. You know that nine. Um, that last race, the Del Mar Derby, where he uh, ran third, that was uh, almost like a New York turf race. Slow down Andy was moving to the turf from the dirt, 
and kind of walked all the way around the track. Yeah. So uh, no one was closing in that race. That was a good pick by my good friend, Dr. Jeff Mora. Love slowed down Andy that day. Um, so, you know, the nine, as Kyle says, should get a good trip as well. But, yeah, I wouldn't uh, – I wouldn't. I think it is going to be a fast pace, and I wouldn't think the two is going to be able to go too far alone with the – with Miller having two horses in the race. No, that's a good that's a good call, and I hope that works because I think we all sort of lean to closers. By the way, from uh, Uncle Howard for you, Paul, five sixteenths is is two point five eight. So now I, mean, so, so I, I feel like somebody so, should get a calculator out and check that math because you know Howard's so, been a little off this week. But you know, yeah, so we'll Peter, everyone who thought Howard would contribute absolutely nothing to this show was wrong. Is wrong. That that was. His, I mean, that's about his normal contribution is mundane <laughs> details anyway. So we figure, you know, it might as well have this show be the oh, same as any others. So all right, let's let's move on quickly to the eighth race. The eighth race, the Golden State Juvenile Stakes. Another one purse, one hundred seventy-five thousand for California bred males this time so we don't screw up the the gender for us here and we're going again we're going seven furlongs and we will take a look at our picks quickly there you go and actually look at us all four of us the favorite give or not a taker four to five the number four horse and as per our picks we're all going that way for now so paul i'm going to start with you on this one what do you think about this horse? Is this one just sort of a um, pick the four and, and move on kind of race? Or what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. And Pete, the, the Jackie's Warrior connections, bred and owned by the Robeson. So yep. that was, that makes it pretty simple. But, you know, the horse has the best number. Uh, ran in an open company turf stakes last time. Uh, you know, you see that a lot with juveniles. They'll tend to throw them in races just to see if they can run in a turf. Those, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see. We see it in New York all the time. Those races are worth a, a lot of money. Um, this is a homebred for the Robesons again, who are the Jackie's Warrior connections. And I think anything close to the race two back. And I, I yeah, I was this horse was a straight single for me in, in my caveman pick five, and will be a lone A on my ABC. Makes sense. Kyle, what are your thoughts? You agree with Paul on this one? A hundred percent. There you go. Drink everybody. Had to say it once, had to say it once, but yeah, I mean, realistically, if you're just looking, if you're just a figs player alone, I mean, there's no one even close to that 81 that was running that last. We'll actually scroll through. I think we have a 67, 61, and then 59. I mean, there's not much. Yeah. So if you can run to that. Yeah. And it, I mean, if you watch that replay, I mean, granted, he got a really good trip that day, but it didn't, you know, it doesn't look like a, it's not going to be a slow 81. They weren't, it, he was driving, he was driving past everybody with um, the old Arlington stomper for the Ravelli, Jose Valdivia. <laughs> but so I had to throw that out there for all the Illinois people. But yeah, getting thrown on the turf, I agree with Paul. I just think it's, you know, um, they're trying him out on the turf, want to see what he likes to do. But getting back to the dirt, which I think is his best surface, where I don't think he's going to get a, a bad trip literally at all with figs that kind of lays over the field. Yeah, it's, it was a straight single for me as well. No, I agree. And actually, a couple quick things. Miller, um, Peter Miller, 25%, 61%. 
turf to dirt with two-year-olds and the breeding on this horse when you look at the horse itself the breeding is all dirt so i guess like like paul said they just said hey screw it we got some kitten joys blood in there yeah, let's yeah. let's give it a shot see what it's like on the turf we'll throw it in and now it's coming back and 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 sort of lays over this field paul we'll go back to you in case people even though it was probably going to use this as singles in case people are looking at this race as maybe something cold you have a nice priced horse the five shipping scam in second what are your thoughts on this one i assume this is just a pure underneath long shot yes. play for you yeah it is and it's it's a connection play with you know o'neill and gutierrez and again it's a maiden stepping up and and you know these some of these stakes state bred stakes races you know to some degree a stakes races in name only you know what I mean? Not to yeah, take anything yeah. away. Hey, it's nice if you own them, Pete, because they're running for one hundred seventy-five thousand. I'll take you it. Know, if you if you follow New York on Sunday, it's the uh, another New York Showcase Day. You're going to see the same thing. All New York breads running for you know seventy-five, a hundred, up to two hundred thousand. So if you own them, it's great. But I I think a maiden's ability to hit the board in a race like this is is probably greater than obviously an open company race. Uh, it's the connections. I get the feeling based on the running lines that the seven furlong, I think this horse probably the longer, the better he's out of a mineshaft mare. So uh, yeah, it's strictly an underneath play. He'll be one of my horses under the four. Yeah. And actually, if you look in the, in the two state bred races actually ran pretty well and then bombed out in, in more of the open company races. So I, I feel like this is a good one underneath. And then Kyle, you have the seven merit song, another one, another nice priced horse, 15 to one underneath. Again, I assume this is just a underneath play, but what'd you like about this one? Yeah. And I mean, actually it's pretty much the same reasons as Paul, just for a different <laughs> horse. I mean, granted he, I know it's people are going to be turned off by when he opens up at 30,000 at, at, uh, at Los Al, but I mean, it, it, he wins next time out at Del Mar for 50. They move him up into open company optional claiming runs, wins a good second to man, oh man. And then he runs in the same, and then they throw him up in a state bread listed stake where give or not take her the four in this race wins for fun, basically. And granted, he doesn't run very well, but pairs up his buyer top of 53, which in this race, I mean, that's pretty much par for the course. Yeah. So I'm going to take a shot with 15 to one. Hopefully he runs kind of right with giver, not taker. And then just is able to give her not take her out finishes. And he just comes up for second. No, I like that. And actually when you, I had to know when you watched the replay on that last one, hit the gate straight out of the gate, sort of bounce to the side a little bit. And again, when you have, especially when you have younger horses, you know, you throw them off a little bit. And it sort of screws their whole race up. This one then rushed up a little bit, which sort of maybe tires them out. And that's why it didn't have, you know, any kind of kick at the end. So I could see this one for sure. Let me say I had, so we'll go real quick. I had the three mystic flyer in second. This one also, this was actually similar to a horse I liked in the last one. The first race in his debut, he ran against Giver not a taker was 18 to one awful trip broke slow was checked like, basically dropped back to dead last and then again ran on late which i only find impressive just because again it's a debut horse has a ton of trouble and doesn't give up doesn't sort of just you know sit in the back and do nothing this one ran on pretty well and give or not a taker just ran away with it which is why you see sort of that 11 length that 11 length distance there but then comes back basically same company you know pops a little bit of a better buyer wins beats the field pretty nicely sits off a hot pace 
So I figure again, if we're looking at this one, isn't as big of a price as the one you have, but Hey, if you're looking for just a decent cold exacta or something, you're obviously going to get give or not a taker is going to probably be like three to five, two to five, who the hell knows. So if you can get something to sort of up the odds on that and play something cold, I'm okay with the, with the three there. And then I guess the last one we'll talk about since you and I both have it, I'll let you talk about them. Kyle is the six golf drama. What are your thoughts on this one? This one's got some, again, ran against some other horses in the race and broke his maiden in some pretty good style last time out. Yeah, and like I said, I know people, the low sal, whatever, it's fine. It's not that big of a deal. Wins easily by going away five, geared down by four. Pops a 61, not as much as his first race, which runs a 67. But, I mean, even at Santa Anita and Del Mar, I mean, he's still holding his own. The figs aren't there like uh, like the four, but – He's still holding the zone against horses like Mystic Flyer. He lost to two back. He beat uh, beat Midnight Lightning that's in this race. Again, it's just kind of the underneath plays that you're trying to find. I like the seven just at a little bit of a bigger price. Yeah. But this horse has stayed with fast paces all through his two-year-old campaign. So that's another thing to look at. Yeah. And the, and the one thing I, the, the one thing I actually like this horse has been favored in all three races. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's something going on where this horse is appealing to people and, and keeps getting bet. And finally, you know, finally came through and actually let them cash some tickets in that last one. So I agree. I, I kind of like this one. That's why I had, I had, again, I had this one in third, but you know, the second or third in this race is just sort of who do I like underneath the four? That's all I'm really going for there. You guys have any other thoughts? Are you, we're okay to move on to the next one. I think we actually hit most of them, most yeah. of the, the pretty low ones Only in this Pete, one. On your yeah, three, ahead, you, you get a big jockey upgrade on your three as well. You're going to Hernandez. You're right. Yeah, I did. Yes, that was – I mean, I, I love Hernandez. So anytime you can do that, that's a plus. And especially, again, I think this horse had an unlucky trip in the debut and the last one was ridden maybe like the horse is supposed to be ridden and sat close and was able to pounce. So, uh, you know, if this one takes a step forward, has a long way to go. I don't think it's getting to the 81 from a 51, but I think it can get easily into the sixties hopefully. And that's easily good enough for, for second in this one. All right, well, let's jump to the ninth here. So the ninth race the Senator Ken Maddie stakes purse of a hundred thousand for Philly and mares, three-year-old and up a mile and a, you know, six and a, six and a half furlongs on the turf. I can't speak for some reason. And the favorite, we have the number three Connie Swingle at nine to five. So let's see, we have, ah, look at you guys going against the favorite. So uh, Paul, I'll let you jump in on this one first. Talk about the nine, Amy C., which you and Kyle both put on top in this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's the right distance. It's D'Amato. It's Rispoli, who I believe is the best turf rider out there right now. Uh, had a good win down the hill, two back uh, with an 88 buyer. Uh, I think uh, I think down the hill, being outside, is a little bit of an advantage, even though you do have to take that little right-hand turn at some point. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I'm only too deep in the race 
with the two logicals, so nothing too clever for me, but I do like the nine better than the three. Looking at our, I could see our pick five tickets off screen, and I, I think we're all pretty much in lockstep here, as you could see on the on the scroll at the bottom as well. Paul, real quick on, a, on sort of a general question, for this odd configuration, the six and a half at Santa Anita down the hill, do you generally look for a horse who's run over that configuration before and has some success, or does that not matter to you that much? No, I think it matters. I think it's an advantage. I wouldn't necessarily not use a horse who hasn't, but you know, we, we've seen it with Breeders' Cups out there, right? It, it, yeah. It's certainly, it's certainly an advantage because it's downhill. It's the right hand turn. It's going over dirt on the on the turn. It's going. Yeah, you, you have to play a horse who's good going from turf to dirt because they do it <laughs> mid mid race, mid race, uh, and, and then this, dirt it, to turf too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so it, yeah, and so this, the fact that this horse has a win, uh, you know, but others, I believe others do as well. So it's not just him, but yes, I, I do think it yeah. matters, Pete. And then I, I do like you, you mentioned Rispoli, whose Rispoli is, is, is staying on and, and actually had the win two back. We'll go to Kyle quick. Kyle, any more thoughts on the nine or do you want to just talk about the three? You, have, you agree with Paul pretty much? I mean, yeah, you guys took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, I love when horses run down the hill and they show that they can run down the hill really well. We all know it plays a lot longer for these mile horses coming in and popping his best buyer down the hill with Rispoli back up. I think it takes every box for me. And the only thing not to be a broken record, the only two, the only one other thing to notice is again, the two, and this one's a little more pronounced. This one has run two good races where it's one and both have been with Lasix and now again, doesn't have Lasix. And in the other four, now I'm not saying that was the only reason, but they were all stakes races as well. Yeah. And this one, it's very pronounced on the screen. So again, just something to note. And I did note that D'Amato, 33% win, 54% in the money at this configuration um, in non-graded stakes. So obviously he's comfortable with his horses here. But again, if that Lasix thing, if, if that's something you lean on or you're comfortable or don't care about, you know, it's something to something to take a look at. Kyle, why don't you talk quick? We all have the three as well. The three, Connie Swingle, sitting at nine to five. Seems like a pretty logical horse. What were your thoughts on this one? I mean, that's exactly right. Is It's going to sit near the pace. He's, again, like I said, I love horses that have one come down the hill before. He's done it three times. Three times, it, yeah. She's done it three times. I did it again. Drink. <laughs> Drink. But, um, yeah, three times in a row. Last time, best buyer out of a 90 improving buyer if you want to even look at that down the hill every time it's improved at buyers by six and by four keeping yeah. with kyle frey i mean yeah there's there's really nothing to not like about this horse for another damato trainee no i agree paul any thoughts on the three any anything different no i, I kept it simple in the pick five phil uh, uh pete i went with the two damatos and moved on uh, he's yeah. very you, you mentioned the stat but that you could do a lot of different stats of D'Amato in Southern California, especially on turf. And he's going to come up with uh, pretty gaudy numbers. Yeah. And he, he's one of, he's like the Chad Brown of the, of the West where you look at these turf races and he's always got like two, three, four horses right. in it. So it's really just choosing between them. And, and I like what you said, Kyle, in this horse's four turf races, the buyers improved every single time. Now the last one was a, a little bit of a smaller jump, but now you're in the nineties. That's, that's pretty impressive real quick. I have Kyle, you and I have the, the one in third um, freedom flyer at four to one. 
Any thoughts on this one? I know we didn't, none of us are going to put this one in our pick five, but any thoughts on this one on the win end, or is this purely a sort of an uh, exotic, maybe underneath exacted trifecta kind of horse? I mean, it could definitely be um, an underneath horse. I think it just, it's going to sit the same, uh, the same path as the three, just obviously more on the inside. I talked about how good distance horses usually are on the downhill course and running his best race in a while on the downhill last time out with Hernandez yep. gets Hernandez back up again. I just think the three is a better horse who sits the same trip. He will. So I think he's just going to go past him and the one maybe holds her third, but that's kind of the way I saw it. Yeah. we talk about that a lot where if there's two horses in a race that sort of do the same thing, it's generally you lean to the better one because if they both run their race, the, the better horse is most likely going to come ahead. Um, Paul, real quick, you have the two Lexington humor really quickly. Any, any thoughts on this one? Again, this one looks like it has some speed. This is an interesting one because it's had four races, two on the turf, one on the dirt, one on the synth. So they're trying everything out and has actually been pretty successful on all of them. Yeah. And again, you know, you, you, you get a hundred thousand dollar race that you think a horse has a shot. You, you, you go in. No, I'm a big Jonathan Wong guy. He's a guy who's made the transition from Northern California. Uh, he still runs up there, but he, he has run more and more in Southern California. I think he does a great job. Uh, this horse is fresh. Uh, he won his debut, which obviously he was fresh then. Gee. Won his debut. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. She won her debut by seven and a half, and I kind of like that, the fact that uh, she is coming off a layoff. Um, and I think uh, despite that she hasn't, uh, she's only run down the hill once and, and gave it up a little bit, that was her second career start. She had some pretty good stamina work. She's got two coming off two five furlong works, and I think she will be able to get the distance. And lastly, the practical jokes are running okay. So yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, and especially if you keep them, if you keep them at the sprint distances, they're, they're solid. Once you, once you try stretching them out, potentially that's where you lose them. All right, let's move to the, to the last race in the sequence. Another grade at stakes, the grade three autumn mistakes purse a hundred thousand for three-year-old fillies. And we're going a mile on the turf and we have 12 horses, nice big field, and the favorite is the number 10, Cairo Memories, at 8 to 5. And for us, I'm going to go to Kyle first on this one. Kyle's going with the three. Pammy's ready on top at 5 to 1, trying to take down that that nice D, who I think is going to be a pretty solid chalk based on just form and figures in Cairo Memories. So what do you like about this three? Yeah, I had the 10 on top the whole way through, and I, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Eh, we're going for it all. I like but it. The 10 easily is the class in the race. We'll get to it as we scroll down. But does this horse has since another, since coming into Peter Miller's care, just steadily increasing the whole way up has a lot of tactical speed race down the hill is last time her last time out. Um, obviously we, like I said earlier, um, the down the hill horses usually are better at longer distances. This yep. horse is actually coming from sprint, but you look back and, her form and she has two mile races at San Anita. One, she was out in the lead and one, she kind of faded the second time losing to another horse in this race, lucky girl. But I think just sitting the tactical speed trip in this race, um, going back around two turns, I think this horse definitely has a shot. Maybe again, you can argue that the 10 is a lot more classy, but just the increasing buyers is enough for me to take a shot at five to one. 
No, it makes sense. I think the only thing that you actually mentioned exactly would sort of threw me off this horse. I, I have this one when we get to our pick five tickets, I actually have this one on the ticket, but the, the few fades at the mile, even in the win was sort of just trying to give mm -hmm. it up late and just didn't get caught. That was the one thing that sort of concerned me on the win end that maybe this one's just better sprinting. So that's why when I was trying to decide, I actually, I think when I took my first pass, I might've had like six horses flagged in this one. I thought it was pretty wide open. Um, but well, I, fair. I, yeah, but again, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, and actually in the last race, granted that she was 20 to one, but she finished just a neck behind uh, Connie Swingle, who's looking to be the pretty decent favorite or one of the decent favorites in the la in the race previous to this. in the prior. Yeah, no, so. I like, and especially, so if you're betting that race, maybe if Connie Swingle looks really good, maybe you move up Pammy's ready a little bit in the 10th. And if Connie Swingle gets beat right. pretty badly, maybe you move that one back a bit, but that's more for, you know, the individual race players as opposed to the, the pick five players, Paul, since you have this horse on top, as well as I do, let's talk about the 10 Cairo memories, the eight to five favorite. Um, does this think this one just looks, I mean, on form and sort of class, this one looks pretty good. Yeah, Pete, I couldn't get by. I, I'm a big company line guy, and I'm looking at McCulloch, consumer spending, with the moonlight, Spenderella, who unfortunately I think is hurt now. Yeah. Um, you know, they shipped this horse east to run in the mile and a quarter, Belmont Oaks, went to the lead, which, you know, she couldn't go the uh, 10 furlongs, but she's only going to go eight furlongs here. Um, yeah, I, I think she's going to be tough. I did not single I, the other. I used the one as well, only because it's a Euro. So obviously it's a Euro coming over on turf. You always have to give a look and it's uh, picks up riskily uh, and, and should get a great trip from the inside. So but I do think the 10 is pretty formidable here. Yeah. So you, I, yeah, you said the same thing. So real quick on the one, any other thoughts? The one thing I, I actually watched a couple of replays just to see how this horse ran. And it seemed like it was sort of a, you know, mid pack, maybe sitting off. So if there's some speed up front and this one takes to takes to the U S obviously had as a jockey who knows, knows the course. So do you think this one is a, is a solid win contender or was just a, Hey, there's a Euro Scott Risperly. Let me take a shot with it. No, because I think uh, Nashua is going to be a, a, a big play for yep. a lot of people. And the Breeders' Cup, the Prix de Diane is a is a big prep for the Philly and Mia Turf. It's a grade one. And obviously, the horse finished 16th. But if you look at the comment, she went to the lead. Yeah. And that was, again, a mile and a five sixteenths, which is uh, two and a half eighths. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that because uh, my <laughs> math professor, Uncle, told me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But so, you know, that, I mean, that's a grade one. And, you know, someone say, well, Paul, he finished six, she finished 16th by 23 legs. Well, okay. But, you know, there's a chance the other 15 might win this race too. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, I, no, I think she's a legitimate win candidate. You know, Drysdale, uh, doesn't look, I didn't do the deep dive, but doesn't look like he has tremendous numbers for the first time overs, but he is generally pretty good with Euros, I think. Um, and again, you're picking up the top turf jockey on a horse who, in the mile, I think that's where you want to be there inside. I think she gets a good trip. So uh, I, I'd be interested at six to one in this. I do like the 10 a lot, but 
I, I think it's six to one. The source is interesting. No, I agree. I agree. I, that's why I sort of looked at it. And real quick, we have to go because we have some segments coming up after this. But real quick, Kyle, on the eight, Rhea Moon, because you both both of us will have this horse on our pick five ticket. Any quick thoughts on this one? I mean, I just thought the same thing. I'm sure you're thinking as well. Just every single way through, granted, again, definitely not as classy as a horse like the 10, but just improving, gets Juan Hernandez back up again. Lost to uh, Graceland Gray a little fi- a bit farther back, but I think the mile suits this horse and another D'Amato trainee on the turf. Take a shot at good, probably a good price, six to one. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you here. So let's jump to, since we've been talking about our, our pick five tickets, okay. let's jump to our pick fives. I'm going to go Paul and I'll read it off first. So Paul's pick five. And I see he right on the $50 number. Yeah. I thought we were going to get bad in this one because there was no Howard. (laughs) I thought we were going to get a little funky. So Paul has one, two, three, four, six in leg one with three, five, six, eight, nine with the four singled in the third leg with three, nine, and then one ten in the last leg. Paul, what are your thoughts on this ticket? I want to say that when I handicapped, is it possible the five was still in when I handicapped the race? I I thought there was. I didn't think there was a, I didn't see a scratch when I was looking, Mm. but I don't know if I paid attention. It could have just been gone. Ironically, I left out the horse that you guys both have on top. (laughs) And it's the (laughs) only, so I clearly would not play a caveman leaving out only one, but I was, to be honest with you, Pete, I was four deep. And I, I wanted to add, I wanted to hit the exact. You wanted to hit that number, number. yes, I love it. So I added a horse. So actually, the three was my my add-on. I was one, two, four, six. But yeah, I I think uh, you know again, I'm I'm very narrow at the end. Um, and some would say, well, you're going five deep in a race with six horses. That's not smart. Hey, look, I've done not smart things before. I'll do them again. <laughs> uh, I do like the four a lot. And, you know, I didn't want to go too deep in the last leg because, as we just talked about a few minutes ago, I think the 10 is is really formidable. So how much do I want to spend trying to beat the 10? I, like I said, I just added the one the uh, one euro. So so there's my $50 ticket. Uh, that's probably what I will invest. I'll maybe go ABC, but this is a day to try to bet a little and win a lot. You don't want to go through a lot of your bankroll with uh, yeah. some big races coming up next week. but. Now that Uncle Howard forced us to handicap it, I will <laughs> we'll do it. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. Let's go to Kyle's next. Let me read it off. Kyle has a $48 ticket with one, two, six, seven in leg one, three, four, five, nine. Next, the four singled in the third leg, three, nine in the fourth leg, and then three, eight, 10 in the last leg. So a couple similarities in that third and fourth leg for, for, from you and Paul. And then when we get to my ticket, the same, what are your thoughts, Kyle? I was going to say, I feel like we're going to be pretty similar, everybody in the third and fourth leg, but I mean, just going with my top three picks, basically all the way around, added a few in the first two legs starting with um i believe the two or the one charlie is that that was my long shot i think maybe it could catch a piece if the race you know if the race holds up top um and then the second leg i went with um the four added your top pick in that race which is handy dandy for uh, peter miller so just you know again reaching to get to that 50 dollar limit but um, just adding a few horses, I think, you know, could maybe catch a piece if something happens. Yeah, and I do think this one started to get a little bit chalky if you really looked at it. So you had to try and catch a price somewhere if you liked them. So getting there, getting it in at least two of the legs would be beneficial. So real quick on what we'll go to my ticket is, 
Oops, that is not my ticket. This is my ticket. So I have a $40 ticket only. So I went way under the number. Two, four in leg one, two, three, four, five, two, three, four, five, nine in leg two, the four in leg three, the three and the nine in leg four, and then two, three, eight, ten. I did go a little deeper in that last leg just in case they can beat Cairo Memories. And I liked a couple of the other horses, but not much different. Skinny in the first leg with the big chalk, but I thought. Because of some of those statistics, I didn't want to single that horse, singled the four and the third, and then the three nine seemed pretty logical in the fourth leg. So there's our pick five tickets. Now we're going to bring on our normal host on Thursday nights. He's Mr. anything but normal. Well, <laughs> normal, you know, in very, very minor sense. Here is Mr. Howard Kravitz back. Hey, what's up, Howard? What's up, guys? Great job. I was, uh, listening while I was doing a little uh, homework. I like, you know, this, this is real life stake races. And Paul, you mentioned it's New York Showcase Day. If okay. you own a track, I think uh, this weekend's a great time to put on a good show because obviously the Breeders' Cup, uh, it's not going to happen the following week. So I think you guys uh, did an excellent job. Really interested to see what happens to Sanita. Now, real quick, before Jim Miller comes on, I want to have about a five or six uh, minute discussion with you guys, and we need to talk about Stable Duel. And this segment of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to by a an awesome fantasy game. It is Stable Duel. You've picked your power forward. Your all-star receiver keeps scoring. Now it's time to race across the finish line and put even more points on the board. Download the Stable Duel app and get in on the thrill of horse racing. Choose your horses, your jockeys, your track, and win thousands in daily games competing against other players. Move up the annual leaderboard and bring home real cash prizes daily. Get in the game with Stable Duel. Play. Race. Win. Well, the first thing we want to do, guys, is take a look at the schedule coming up for Stable Duel. Of course, they're one of our fantastic uh, sponsors here, Bremod and everyone there. At Stable Duel, they do a fantastic job. If you're not familiar with Stable Duel, it's a fun fantasy game. You can easily download it on your phone. I know I play often. I know Pete uh, and and Paul are playing it some more as, as well as uh, Kyle. Let's take a look at the contest schedule, uh, everyone, here real quick for the uh, upcoming weekend. I'm going to go ahead and bring this down. Of course, some of this has already happened. Uh, but uh, tomorrow, Friday, for those of you watching live right now, at Keeneland, they have a $40 uh, contest. We've talked about this, guys. They do a great job of giving you different values uh, to bet into for, based on your uh, wagering dollars. So there's a $40 contest. Check it out, the $250 winner take all. So that's sort of fun. If you want to go high roller, $250, bucks, the winner takes the whole thing. Listen, if they get 10 people in there, it's $2,500. Uh, that's a nice little pool to take down. Uh, they also have a nice... Uh, cheapo one, $5. Uh, you can also go in. And then they have Gulfstream, $100. And that's called a double up, which basically means the best you can do, uh, if you're not familiar with that, is double your money. So you can go from 100 to 200 You can see there's a limit of two entries. Excuse me, limit of two entries, the most you can put in there. Uh, minimum of six total. You guys can also see the $40, you can do up to four entries. The $5 up to three entries. This is something that we've talked about, guys, before, where they are uh, only allowing a certain number of entries. Great job by 
stable duel because as we've talked about uh, the more entries you have, obviously, the better chance you have to win. And so it's not fair if you have six or seven different entries compared to someone who has one uh, entry. Uh, my question for everyone uh, before we get to Jim Miller from Hawthorne, I thought we'd sort of spitball this just for about two minutes. As you guys know, with Stable Duel, uh, if you lose the certain amount of lengths you lose by or win by, affects the number of points that you can get. So if you if you win, you get 60 points plus the number of lengths you win by. Uh, second place is 40 points minus the number of lengths you lose by. Uh, third place is 30 down, etc. So this begs the question that I'm going to put on the screen right now, guys, and getting my tip of the day, which is you want to play races at distances or services where horses are less spread out at the wire, right? Because if you finish second or third, you don't want to finish – 10 lengths back unless you're facing flight line. So, Pete, I'm going to ask you first real quick because I don't know the answer to this question. I'm sure there are stats that we can look at. Which race, uh, you know, in general, dirt or turf, and what distance do you think races are spread out the most that you want to avoid? I know the easy answer is distance races. I don't know, though, because a lot of turf races sort of come together at the end. No, I, actually, I, I was thinking of it backwards when you were saying it. If you're thinking of the best race to bet, I would think maybe sort of a little bit of a longer distance, maybe not like the marathon type, because sometimes those horses run away a little bit. But those sort of, uh, you know, mile to a mile and an eighth. So turf, you sometimes you get those four across in those. So if you're closing, even if you finish third or fourth, sometimes you're a half a length behind in those races. You don't always see that on the dirt. Maybe like on a if you're betting during the week and you have sort of maybe less talented horses or, you know, the lower level horses, maybe they're a little closer sometimes, but in some of the bigger races on dirt, sometimes you see the horses run away. So I think it's a great question. I just don't think I've thought about it when I played before. Yeah. I, I hadn't really thought about it much until I realized that, uh, you know, uh, it's something that we need to talk about. Um, Paul, I'm going to let you talk. I see uh, Jim Miller is uh, texting live as we speak. So, um, uh, Kyle and Paul, if you can just talk a little bit about what you guys feel. And again, you have to keep in mind, though, you know, if you finish fifth, that's a problem. So it's that combination of you want to finish first top three, but you also want to be too far behind. So it's tricky. Uh, Paul and Kyle, go and spitball that comment just for a minute. Well, before you do that, Howard, don't we go congratulations to Bree Mott? Did you see her tweet from the other day? I did not. Oh, yeah, I, I did. Oh, yes. congratulations. Oh, oh, wow. Wonderful. Her tweet wow. was taking a bit of time away from the Twitter sphere for good reason and find a hospital that has horse racing channels. She's watching <laughs> horse racing. No, I saw that, but I, I, I saw that, but I didn't know if it was like I didn't want to ask. I didn't know are we are we hundred percent sure that's hers? I don't want to sound Well according to the but... according to the comments it mm-hmm. is. That's what I saw. Okay, wow. Well Bree Mock, congratulations. That's amazing. Congratulations. So that's more Bree. important than what type of damn races to play in stable. No about that. I agree. Uh, no, I absolutely turf race. You know, how many turf? This would be great to bring their product to Europe where the turf races end with eight across the wire. Eight, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say turf races and, you know, probably a little longer. But, you know, there's plenty of turf sprints where they're right on the wire together. So I, I'd say in general, any turf races would be better to satisfy your question, Howard. Did you did you guys happen to see on Twitter that the the highest stable due points given to a horse happened this week? The horse won. I forget was it 
part I forget what track it was the horse won by like 34 lengths yeah. mm-hmm. and it, it got like i forget what the points amount it was like 95 points or wow. something did you see that kyle yeah i know I, I saw that race too which absolutely oh, ridiculous it was yeah. unbelievable but um yeah i mean secretariat numbers really on that but uh, <laughs> to answer your question howard yeah i mean going with what pete calls my division uh the turf sprints i think <laughs> is definitely where you can find those blanket wire finishes a lot of the time and I think dirt routes, especially as you've seen at Keeneland these past few weeks, you just have horses that are just absolutely separating each other out. You know, you'll, you have a field strung out by 20, 25 lengths. So I think dirt routes is definitely the one that's um, more likely to have a lot of spread where um, it, like I said, in my, uh, in my experience, (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, it's generally, you have a lot more, uh, close finishes and turf sprints. That's the way it it almost seems like too, you'd want to watch for a horse. If you think a horse is going to, is really dominant, like the Mm -hmm. breeders cup classic, if you were doing a stable duel that day and you don't want to touch flight line, because he's going to be too expensive. You maybe don't want it. Maybe in that race, it doesn't matter. They'll be a little closer. Maybe you don't want to go against a horse like that because you might lose by eight lengths as opposed to in some mm-hmm. of the other races where you shouldn't get a horse that gets that far away from you. Right. And speaking of Keeneland, um, real quick before we end it. So I'm going to shout out myself. I have two horses going to Keeneland this Saturday. I have one in the first race in a maiden claiming race and I have uh Jones way and I have Otago in the fifth race and $115,000 allowance on the turf. So How they I'm going to shout out myself. Uh, Otago is a two year old. We're really high on him. He was second in the Laurel futurity last time out. So oh, yep. Um, and that was taken off the turf. So we're really high on him. Jones way is our mayor. Who's one. Uh, she's won like over 75 K and she's never won a race. Oh, I think she's awesome. raced like 25 times and she hasn't won a race, but Still. we love her. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Maybe this week, <laughs> maybe this weekend's the weekend. That's awesome. Well, good luck, man. That's congratulations. Hopefully, hopefully congratulations right. on both. Howard, Appreciate you got it. any news there? There's Jim. Uh, yeah, like we got, we, we got uh, Jim Miller just uh, checking a few technical difficulties, but I think we're ready to rock and roll in the back. Listen, uh, it's been a great show, guys. It's been a full day. I know you already mentioned it, Pete, and I greatly appreciate that. We all appreciate it for obvious reasons. Check out the show with David Lane, uh, episode 197 on the Euros. It's already has, I just checked, it already has over 400 views. Uh, it, it's one of our best shows of the year that we have from a handicapping standpoint. Davey Lane was absolutely fantastic. So anyone watching live right now, please check out episode 197. But don't leave quite yet because we got uh, Jim Miller coming on, guys. Uh, for uh, So Pete Visco, Kyle Roscoe, Paul Halloran, guys, have an awesome weekend. Paul, the serial horizontal player, don't spend too much of that Breeders' Cup money because I looked at the Breeders' Cup uh, exotics. Holy crap. I, got a I hope you got some money yeah. in the bankroll for uh, next weekend, buddy, because it is crazy. I love Guys, those turf. Love night. those turf bets, Paul. Love those turf. Those pick four, pick three turf mm-hmm. bets are awesome. Absolutely. Guys, have a great night. Of course, we'll be looking for your power pick information uh, later on. Guys, take care. See. All righty. All righty. There's our fantastic uh, co-host did a fantastic job. Of course, while I was busy doing a bunch of other things uh without further ado let's not waste any time actually before we bring on our uh wonderful next guest and wrap up the show we gotta do a little uh promotion here if i can find it here we go uh this episode this portion of episode 198 of the hhh racing podcast is brought to you by oh i was gonna i need the full screen oh my goodness where is it there it is let me try it again it's brought to you by 
Hawthorne Racecourse, Chicago's hometown track. All right, let's bring on from Hawthorne Racecourse, the one and only Mr. Jim Miller. Jim, how you doing tonight? Sorry about the miscommunication, man. Hey, it, it, it's understandable. It's busy. It's Breeders' Cup time, man. This is like the best time of year. I, I love it. You you have a show like every single day going on. So you're you're, you're working multiple jobs here, Howard. It's okay. Uh, you know something about working multiple jobs, sir. So uh, yeah, listen, <laughs> you got to pay the bills. You got to do what you got to do. Yep. Jim, before we get into two really exciting races on Saturday at Hawthorne that I, take, that I took a look at and there's an open company race that is absolutely loaded with some serious horses. A yeah. great double to play for sure coming up on Saturday at Hawthorne. Got a quick Breeders' Cup question for you. Um, I'm going to mention three horses. Who are you most surprised slash most excited about based on the pre-entries? Latruska ending up in the Philly Mare Sprint. Domestic spending for Chad Brown coming back in a year-long layoff in the mile. Or Jack Christopher deciding to go to the sprint. Which one of those sort of caught your fancy, caught your attention, your surprise most interested in, et cetera? Jack Christopher, for sure. Because you had some options there, and the horse has shown its versatility. But the horse is a little bit of a freak, I think, at whatever distance you're going to see. Sprinting, going the mile, wherever it's going to be. Um, you talk about domestic spending. I mean, you have these this history of these horses that have come back off these massive layoffs, and it's kind of been that Cinderella story type of thing. So that's really cool, too. But Jack Christopher has been so good this year. Price-wise, I don't think – I'm, I'm curious to see what you get price-wise out of some of these horses on Breeders' Cup because that's the thing you talk about when you're compiling these tickets, when you're compiling pick six tickets, pick fours and all that. It's not like these are horses that should be four to five because they're the only stake horse in a race. Every single one of these horses is a stakes horse. Every single one of these horses is a superstar horse. You're going to find greatest stakes winners, Howard, that are 20 and 30 and 40 to one. That's yeah. the beauty of the Breeders' Cup. But long-winded answer, Jack Christopher is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, I think uh, we were talking about this yesterday on the uh, on our pre-entries show. My guess, Jack Christopher, excuse me, Jackie's Warrior. I'm going to go four to five. Yep. Jack Christopher, two to one, uh, and I think everyone else is going to be at least six to one. It's going to be a weird board. Any thoughts on that as a morning line guy? What I, I think that's fair. The question is, what's the pace scenario going to be in that race? I mean, there, is it going to be suicidal up front? You're going to have just ding-dong battle and let's see who emerges clear in the end? Or is this one of those races that's going to be a complete fall apart and some massive price horse comes swooping on by? I don't, I don't know because these are when you have two very talented sprinters, but they're kind of one-run type of horses, it does make it really kind of tough to figure out. Yeah, there's not a lot of early. I don't think Jack Christopher can go with Jackie's Warrior. I don't I think, think so either. Really go. So I think Jack Christopher is just going to set a length off. I think Jackie Warrior is going to lead. It wouldn't shock me. This is no great handicapping puzzle here, but it wouldn't shock me if there was one, two around the track. Right. Maybe Jack Christopher is good enough to win. I personally don't think so. It's it, the, the sprint division, Jim, let's be honest, just not good this year. No, and it's not. And let me ask you this. So, question wise, too, is this a different race because it's at Keeneland? compared to if you're running this race on the West Coast or you're running at different other tracks. And the reason I say at certain tracks, I do think, especially on the big days, play a little bit more to a bias, a little bit more to a front-end type of bias. I think you have that quite often out on the West Coast. I don't know if Keeneland 
necessarily will play that way. I, I expect things to maybe play a little bit more evenly out there, and maybe that kind of tightens the gap between the two. Yeah, I think so. The weather looks good. You know what, Jim? The last thing I'll say will go on to Hawthorne. We talked yeah. about this last week. I looked at the weather. You never know a week out. It looks like it's going right. to uh, be actually It's going to be dry. It's going to be 70. It's really going to be unbelievably unseasonably warm yeah. in Keelan. I did saw possible winds like 15 to 20 gusting. We talked about this. Keelan's one of those tracks too, Jim. There's not a lot of trees around the track. Right. I, I've been there several times. I'm assuming you've been there. Uh, watch the watch the races, especially the one-turn races that could lead to some strange biases, whether it be speed or closers based on the wind. It absolutely can happen. It's something we all need to look, pay attention to. Yeah, and you definitely do it. And it, it's played a factor, a huge factor at Hawthorne over the course of those last couple of weeks. But you're right, Keeneland kind of sits out there on a little bit of an island for the racetrack compared to everything else for the setup around there. But you're right. Yeah. There's not a whole lot blocking the wind. It is. It's pretty wide open right there. And it, I mean, it kind of has because the airport's right across the street. So it's not <laughs> yeah. like you're going to have massive yeah. banks Good of trees point. around by any means. But uh, yeah, you do have to watch because it definitely can play a factor there. All right. Let's go to the uh, Hawthorne, uh, Jim. Two great yeah. races on Saturday. It's an open company race. It's an Illinois-bred sprint race i'm going to quickly bring up and we're not gonna i do have the pps we can do it much yeah. quicker though than we've done you know for the pick five show yeah. and by the way it felt awful congrats the, the pick well thank you appreciate that listen it's not exactly a life-changing score but uh you you deserve to hit it too because the sixth and last race was tons of the best but you know that's horse racing you go know ahead, let's you talk, can we touch on that just real quick on that yeah race? go ahead go ahead all right so here's the one thing that i actually loved about the race so Gailey Posse was the horse I singled on the last leg of the pick five. The horse is a speed horse, horrible break out of the gate. But here's what I actually loved about it. You had a veteran rider in the saddle and Victor Santiago. And instead of freaking out when the horse missed a break and just rushing up there, going for a quarter of a mile and then getting nothing, he gave the horse a shot. He allowed the horse to settle in, learn something, run the race. And the horse made a move to finish second there behind your, your winner in that spot. I like when you see that out of a veteran rider because a lot of these younger riders may have just pushed that horse along, said, this is where I think I have to be, and then they have nothing left for the for the lane. So I thought it was a really smart ride by Santiago. It was only good enough to finish second after that break, but it was something that I actually appreciated seeing that ride aboard the horse. It was, and, and the rail horse who we talked about took a ton of early money. Yep. It took a lot of money, and I actually was alive to him on my own you know, my, my ABC bet. And that, that pick five paid like 700. Yeah. Uh, so oh yeah. Yeah. I, you know, if that's one of those rate, that's one of those horses, I think it was 10 to one morning line, the one horse or whatever it was. And yep. you had the correct morning line, just got bet more than I thought that uh, played a lot bigger in the horizontals than it would have in the verticals. Yeah. So yeah, that's I agree. a great example of that. Uh, Jim race six on Saturday. I'm going to put a full screen here. Two fantastic races back to back. This one starts at, 513. It's an allowance optional claiming for 62.5. The purse is juicy. It's 38,000 to go in six and a half. And wow, are these some really nice horses here? As you can see, including a, a bunch of open company horses. There's a nice Illinois bred. But I know you wanted to mention specifically a Minnesota bred who I'm very familiar with based on my association with Canterbury Park in the past. The number seven, Love the Nest, who's five to two for Joe, uh, Joe Burns. Uh, and uh, Constantine Roman is right. This is a very salty allowance race. Here's the thing. All right. At Hawthorne, you're, you're not expecting to see John Ortiz show up, for, for one thing, and he's got two in there. So 
Mucho is a horse that you definitely have to give consideration to. And he's got another horse in that race that's a little bit longer shot when you go a little bit further down. But think about this. We talked about this, Howard, time and again. Canterbury horses have raced very well at Hawthorne throughout the course of the meet. The six and the seven, Dr. Oscar and Love the Nest, are probably the two best sprinters that are Minnesota bred horses coming over to Hawthorne, and they get to duke it out in this spot. Dr. Oscar was really impressive in that last out on the front end, ran a big, big race in that spot. But here's the thing. You look at Dr. Oscar. You look at Love the Nest. I think Love the Nest is a little bit better of a racehorse, only for the fact that that last start on October the 15th and Howard, we talked about it, that was a week where the inside was good. Speed was good. It was a week full of headwinds in the stretch. Everybody won on the front end on the inside except for Love the Nest. This was the only horse that made a wide move the entire week. It was a move from a little bit off the pace. And not only was it a big move, this horse, when it hit the top, it just absolutely emerged clear, rolled on by. It was an extremely impressive effort. You see a 92 speed figure. It probably could have been 95, 96 if the rider even wanted to get after it a little bit more. I thought it was an ultra impressive effort out of Love the Nest. Uh, Dean G, how about David Cabrera coming in to ride, who's a very underrated jockey? The only thing I'm concerned about Love the Nest, this is a real quick turnaround. It's a huge yeah. buyer top and a quick turnaround. Um, I, I suppose Joel Byrne, I mean, who might have doubted him? The horse is obviously feeling good, and it's, and it's a logical spot. But from a betting standpoint, I'd be a little bit concerned about that. And that's the thing about it. You have to see what you're going to get price-wise because everybody does love this horse, so it is probably going to get bet down a little bit. It brings horses like Dr. Oscar into the mix. It brings horses like Mucho on the inside into the mix. You, The one curious one might be the Illinois bred, the four. That's WW Scout's honor. This is a horse that has a whole lot of early speed too, but some familiarity with the racetrack, a big effort in that last out. And this is that year where you saw more horses run big numbers at FanDuel than you've ever seen formerly Fairmont Park, only because you didn't have Arlington Park in the summer. So these horses didn't have those options to jump around a little bit. So you're getting a lot better horses racing down there in Southern Illinois and running these really big races. And now they kind of step up and they do get overlooked a little bit when it comes to the betting. Yeah, that's a good point. They, they brought back the St. Louis Derby this year, which is, uh, yep. which is really cool. I remember betting the St. Louis Derby years ago. The name is going to, uh, the name's going to escape me now. I don't know. I can't remember now. The first time they had it for like 300,000, um, there was a horse that I really enjoyed watching run. Anyway, that's okay. Uh, hopefully they keep bringing it back. Um, I agree. Let's talk, let's talk about race seven, Jim. Race yeah. seven is the Illinois stake. It's the Lightning Jet stakes. Let me go ahead and bring up the uh, Aquabase here. They're going six and a half. Again, this is going to be uh, about 536 central time. So about 630 on the East Coast. Again, it's a great double to play. $75,000 in the purse. Again, kudos to Chris Block and anyone, everyone associated with Illinois yeah. horse racing uh, to continue to allow these Illinois breads. And these are good, these are good horses. These are not just yeah. Illinois breads that just, you know, are in here for, uh, for money. These horses can run. Kudos to everyone involved. You got a field of uh, eight here with the Moyline favorite. I love the name. The number seven, WW, a cookie monster for Becker and Santiago. But this, this horse has got his hands full with some real nice Illinois breads here. Yeah, scroll down a little bit. There's actually 10 in the race there because oh, it's going to be key when we get to talking about these horses. Oh, my slightly. bad. Excuse me. 
No, that's, that's okay. I, like, I didn't even. I left off by accident. Sorry. There but you but you see these Scott Becker runners, the WW horses. WW Hotshot used to be a Becker horse. WW Cookie Monster is a horse that's very familiar with this racetrack. And here's the thing about it: you look up and down a field like this, and you tend to wonder: is six and a half furlongs going to be the deciding factor for some of these horses? Because WW Cookie Monster, ten starts, eight times first or second. But Huey Attack has run well over this track. Devil Eye has run well over this track. But I'm telling you, the horse that intrigues me so much in here, Howard, is the nine. Let's read the cliff notes. And here's what intrigues me. Look at the record at Hawthorne. Nine starts over the track, eight victories for read the cliff notes. This horse came off a year layoff into that last out and ran a gigantic race on the turf. Now they try six and a half furlongs. If it was at three quarters, I would have said no shot. Six and a half with enough pace and a horse that seems so versatile, it might be worth a look because you might get a little bit of a price here. Jim, we got we have to change the name of this horse to read the Howard notes. Did, did you read? Did you read what I've got? I love this horse, Jim. Okay, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for turnbacks. This horse, there's plenty of speed to chase. Uh, second off the layoff, like there's like ten things I love about this horse. Are we getting? Are we getting your morning line nine to two? That's my question. You might only for the fact that people are going to bet WW Cookie Monster. Everybody bets Scott Becker horses. The horse that I wasn't sure about was WW Hotshot only because of the barn. But then you get Fast Jack, and Fast Jack is also going to take some money because that horse is coming in off a big effort in that last out. Yeah. So it it, it makes me curious to see because I I just wonder if people are going to say okay. Is Reed the Cliff Notes really a sprinter? I mean, this is a horse that's been at its best at a route. The horse just yeah. ran on the turf a couple of weeks ago. Again, it's a real quick turnaround. You and I both like it, so maybe we're going to kill the price a little bit on this <laughs> horse. But even even at 7 Only to 2, 4 to 1. You. They people don't listen to me, so I'm sure that you <laughs> might kill the price. Me, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to pick the horse in the race. I, I like Reed the Cliff okay. Notes. You get horses for the course, and here's the thing about it, too, at Hawthorne. You and I both know it's very tight turns. It's a very long stretch. It's a different surface than what you get at some other tracks, just kind of for the complexion of the surface. Because, and, and I mean, it's going to be weird talking about granules of sand, but we're going to talk about granules of sand because Hawthorne is actually based on a little bit more of a winter surface. It's a little bit more coarse sand, doesn't hold quite as much water because you don't want it to freeze up in the winter. Some horses handle that a little bit better than others. This horse clearly does handle it very well. The horse loves the racetrack. I think you get enough pace. And again, six and a half furlongs, that added 16th of a mile, could be enough for Read the Cliff Notes to get up in time. Well, the last thing I'll just mention is I like to look at the early time form pace, as you know. Yep. And I know that they have a feature. I don't have it with me right now on the show. But they have a feature where they actually, you know, put the horses on a proverbial, uh, you know, a picture of a track. And yep. you can actually see the visual pace set up but i don't have that with me right now but you got huey attack 94 early right you've got uh locomotors not slow 103 right early fast jack 118 ww hotshot 114 ww cookie monster 114 14. so that that automatically drives me to the closers who's either double eye who yep. i wouldn't completely rule out but i think it's a little slow and is an eight-year-old and the best right. days are probably behind him or read the cliff notes at an 88 and this horse is turning back, and he's a little bit younger. And I, I think uh, Julio's first call for Michelle is that right? Uh, over, um, over Roman, yes. I, I would assume. Yes, yeah, Julio, right. Yeah. Julio will ride a lot of these horses okay, first so, call. 
you know, that just draws me to one of those two horses. So you got to look at the pace situation. Jim, my general rule, two speed horses doesn't guarantee anything. Three speed horses. Now you're talking about possible pace setup. More than three, I automatically look to pace collapse. It doesn't always work out that way. That's how I handicap. So, uh, Jim, I'll put you on the spot. If you want to play a double or anyone's interested out there playing a nice double race six to race seven, you can either cold punch it or whatever variations you like. What do you like as a double here? All right, so I am cold punching it. Love the nest to read right. the cliff notes. Uh, those are those are the seven two that nine, I'm going to play in there. Seven nine, correct? Yeah, yeah. And, and here's the okay. reason why, too, Howard. We talked about the weather at Hawthorne last week. Extremely windy, thirty mile per hour headwinds in the stretch. It was one of those things where it was really a front end track. This week is going to be completely different. Temperatures are going to be right around sixty. You're not going to have nearly the wind. It's going to hold a little bit more water. The track's going to even out a little bit. But the question that comes in, Howard is how our rider is going to ride the track. Jocks that are new to Hawthorne, and we have some new riders there, are going to think, okay, this is still a speed track. They may push horses a little bit more, and some of these veteran riders may adjust. So you have to watch some of the trips that some of these horses get and how guys ride the races. Look at Chris Amy. Look at Jareth Ludbury. Look at Julio Felix, Constantino Roman. The guys that are there and have been there year after year, they may have an advantage over some of these guys that are a little bit newer to Hawthorne. And you mentioned on Twitter, uh, we've got a bunch. We had a pretty uh, a lot of rain last few yeah. days uh, off the turf this weekend, correct? Yeah, off the turf Friday, Saturday for Friday, sure. Saturday. I walked the course this morning. It was still uh, quite wet. Um, we are moving the rail out to lane three with the hopes that we're going to be on there on Sunday. But I'm going to wait until Sunday to uh, get a look at it. I like to notify everybody ahead of time for handicapping purposes. And I like to notify horsemen. So they're not changing shoes. They're not treating with Lasix if they want to scratch out or if they want to re-enter for a turf next week. So if I can make that call ahead of time, I'm going to do so. So definitely off Friday, Saturday. Fingers crossed we can be on on Sunday. And kudos also to Hawthorne for getting the PPs out early. As a handicapper experience like myself, I hate getting you know the, the, the PPs out only two or three days in advance. You guys send them out well in advance. So greatly appreciate it. Jim Miller, really appreciate your time. Uh, tonight, look forward to, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch uh, through emails and whatnot about what's going to happen next week, of course, with the Breeders' Cup. We, we will be talking about uh, Hawthorne at some point next week. We'll be in contact with you. Jim, have a great night. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you it. You got it, Howard. Take care. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, that was Jim Miller from uh, Hawthorne Racecourse. Again, does a fantastic job there uh, doing many things. The morning line, uh, handicaps, interviews, walks the turf course. Uh, maybe he'll serve you a hot dog and french fries in the concession stand. I don't know. He does it all, but thanks to Jim Miller. Everyone, this has been a fantastic show. It's been episode 198 of the HHH Racing Podcast. We covered San Mita. We covered uh, Stable Duel. We covered Hawthorne. Rest up this weekend. Get through your handicapping. Be ready because next week we have fantastic shows Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Breeders' Cup. You do not want to miss it. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye.